Somebody in the staff, um, somebody in the staff uh, said that uh, they have a little sign. They might put it up, no, saying that uh, this uh, female cardinal is the first uh, female cardinal trying to get in this church. <laughs> And it's not easy. <laughs> Patriarcha is... Uh... <laughs> so I want to take um, a little... Um, Time to talk about uh, practice again this morning. And so during the course of this retreat, like uh, I, th- I think with all uh, retreats, it's pretty much how it happens is uh, we um, slowly, in a way, open up the field of our, of our awareness to include more and more aspects of life, huh? So on the first day, maybe we were talking about the body, bodily awareness, where you know the body sitting, breathing, uh, the body as bones, flesh, uh, skin, the you know sight, hearing, being aware of this, so everything of the body. And then maybe we talked some about um, emotions and mind states, you know. Uh, how to be with uh, different mind states, the beautiful mind states, the beautiful qualities of mind, the difficult uh, emotions that uh, are visiting. We talked also some about um, uh, feeling tones, so this uh, pleasure or displeasure or neutrality that comes with uh, any uh, phenomena that is uh, experienced, right? So we're like, oh, we're, we're broadening our field of interest of what's happening in real time. So, um, and we continue uh, doing this. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about often what we uh, call the third foundation. So I'm using that framing that we've used here and there. And so maybe slowly you're getting, uh, you're getting the, you know, maybe some of you know when I say third foundation, boom, you know you have, and maybe many of you you're like, third foundation, what? What is that? So the first, what would be the first foundation? Body. So everything that is of the material world, we could say. You know, breath is body, posture is body, activities of the body is body, uh, senses, five senses is body. Second foundation, we might not have said this so clearly, but the second foundation or aspect of uh, reality that the Buddha says, oh, please, be awake to this when it's happening. See it arise, see it pass, see it uh, being present, absent. It's the experience of pleasure, displeasure, uh, and neutrality. So second foundation of mindfulness. Third foundation is everything that has to do with the mind-heart. So the qualities of mind and heart, the moods, the emotions, the quality. And this morning in that third foundation is also uh, thoughts. I want to talk a little bit about thoughts and maybe intentions. So this is in the realm of the inner world, you know. And of course they're not 
that's separate. Huh? Because when I have an emotion, it's something that is happening internally, but my heart beats, my face is red, my body is numb, there's, there's uh, bodily experiences about it, and some emotions are pleasant, and some emotions are unpleasant, right? So, it seems like, oh my God, it's so complex. Well, we've been living with this for a few decades now. That's what's happening all day long, you know. We're just highlighting different aspects, Yeah. So it's not like there's new stuff you need to know how to navigate. You've been having a body all the time. And <laughs> it's been pleasant and unpleasant. And there's been emotions and thoughts and intentions. We're just kind of highlighting it a little bit uh, here. So it's not like, oh, we're bringing in thoughts this morning. I'm sure there maybe there has been a thought or two in the last uh, <laughs> few days, right? So it's been part of, the, of what's been happening. Uh, and I've said a few words about it, and we have said a few words about uh, being with thoughts. You know, last night, for example, I said, when there's a thought, it could be good to know it's a thought, you know. When most of the time we're entranced by the thought, we enter that realm, the realm of me at home with this person and that person having this exchange. And I'm completely fooled. I'm having the exchange and you're not responding how I want you to respond. Hello, waking up. I'm sitting here, you know, it's made up, it's a creation, generation of the mind, can we wake up to that? Not easy. And so that's mainly what we do here with thoughts, we want to be aware of the arising of thinking, or the passing of thinking, or the absence of it, or the presence of it. So in a way it's very primary. A lot of the practice to me seems extremely, not easy, but very primary. It's not so much what I'm hearing, but that there is hearing. It's not so much that it's pleasant, should should happen again, and how can I make it? Oh, pleasant. Like I stay very close to experience, pleasantness. The body also, uh, just sitting, not like, oh, aware of my posture in, in, with the goal of uh, improving it. Here it's not that, it's being aware of the posture, the experience of it. What is this experience? Ah, feeling it, feeling it. So being aware of uh, thoughts. Some thoughts you'll notice in your mind they're like uh, background radio. They don't have much charge. They're there, but they, they're not triggering. They, they don't come with heartbeat or, you know, desire to, you know. And some have charge. They have, they, they're charged, you know. They seem heavy or serious or important, yeah. And so it might be interesting as you're sitting, when a thought comes to notice the intensity or charge of it. And so it's a way to actually get out of the trance of it and start holding it almost as an object, an event that is happening. And you, oh, is that the charged one or not? You know. And so some thoughts are like, oh, you know, I don't know what car passing by. You know, and some are like, bird, poor bird. You know. And so we're uh, invited to become aware of this, of the charge of of a thought. Wake up to it. Um, 
some thoughts, for example, that don't have much charge, when we notice that we're thinking, boops, they disappear. The thinking stops right away. Some will notice that we're thinking, it'll stop, but just for a second it will. I have something to say and I will say it. <laughs> you know, you've said it 20 times, I will say it anyway, because I'm not <laughs> sure you're heard, you know. <laughs> And so we can notice, oh yeah, this one is a little bit more, seems a little bit more sticky, a little bit more charged, yeah? Some thoughts, and that's the investigation we're going to be making, some thoughts arise from emotions. And some emotions arise from thoughts. And often they travel together, encouraging each other, you know? (laughs) And so it can be interesting to watch, you know. There's a mood, and then whoops, words manifest, are manifestations of the mood. Or sometimes there's a thought, and the image will trigger an emotion. And so it might be possible to catch it in real time. Sometimes it's not. But wherever we are with this practice, we can always start uh, freshly, freshly. One of the uh, classic modern techniques, I think, around thoughts is to label the kind of thoughts. And many of you know that technique. Oh, this is planning. So it helps us maybe identify our tendencies. You know, oh, rehashing. Oh, revisiting. Oh, dharma talking. (laughs) You know, so there might be little things that we... And maybe it adds a little... Playfulness to the label in the labeling. So there's a something. Oh, of course, that's something I say a lot to me and to uh, other practitioners when we talk about practice. You know, when there's an emotion or something that com- keeps coming back. Of course, of course, and we can say that. I mean, you can if you. For me, it's helpful. Instead, of, it shouldn't happen. Like, of course, planning will come back. Of course, you know. Some thoughts, repetitive thoughts, often have something underneath. They're serving a purpose. So sometimes we say, you know, we'll we'll say, I don't want to think, but I keep thinking. Well, it's probably serving a purpose there. It's doing something. It's either trained to do it, but often it's serving a purpose. One of the purpose, many different purposes to thinking for sure. One of them, I think, uh, in the context of the retreat, maybe, and in life, this commenting, narrating, uh, etc., might be because silence would be actually second foundation, unpleasant, uncomfortable. There might be a slight loss of identity if I'm not commenting and narrating. Who am I then? I don't want to feel this, so I have many things to say about the rest of the day and uh, later and uh, what I like and my preferences and how I understand that and, you know, what's my position compared to somebody else about that, you know. It's to keep that little self, you know, from disintegrating because that's scary. And if you notice this, you can um, bring a lot of tenderness. Yeah, of course. Reassuring. Yeah, of course. There's a fear of disappearing, honey. But let's see if the toes really go away if we stop commenting. For <laughs> not, the, not for the rest of the retreat, that's too much. 
but maybe for two seconds just see what happens if there's not an opinion or positioning of some sort for a few seconds and maybe we have an idea a belief that there will be emptiness, hollowness disappearance you know that it's going to be like a big void, you know, uh, that's going to be there. And maybe what we'll find is just cardinal clicking, you know, heart beating, breathing. Maybe what an idea seemed like terrible and empty and hollow will actually be just maybe full, even, of life. Yeah? And then, you know, okay, you can comment again for a few seconds. Yeah, so what happened? What will happen this afternoon? Tell me about lunch. What do you know about lunch coming? Well, we'll be in line. And then... (laughs) Really? (laughs) Then somebody will come and open the door. (laughs) Okay. And then try again a little bit. What if there was no, none of that happening? What would be there? And could that be allowed? You know, maybe there would be a little sadness or a little fear. Could that be okay? Just for a few seconds, and then allow the mind to tell a story again. So gradually, it's not like I have to let go of all thoughts forever. No, no, just for a few seconds here and there. So these are the few words that come to mind uh, around thoughts. There's probably a lot more to say and could have months of research around that. But we'll, um, what we'll do is we'll go in the, the meditation and I'll guide a little, uh, uh, little exploration around thoughts. And it might be helpful for you or an aspect of it might be helpful or not. And that's how it's going to be this morning. Can that be okay? Okay. So buckle up. <laughs> so one of the things we're doing here, as I understand it, is that we're replacing uh, living in a world of ideas and story told about me and others and this and that. To uh, we're replacing all these words by uh, we're inviting sensory awareness. So it's not like we're left with nothing, you know. We're saying, what can we feel? Can we feel temperature? Can we notice that there is a body here? So we're speaking another language. The language of the senses. And we let them speak. And thoughts can absolutely be included in um, meditation when they happen. 
in the same way that uh, a sensation uh, is known, it can be known and included, it doesn't have to stop the meditation. The, sen- the sensation can be folded in. Or if a sound comes by, it can also maybe be folded in, invited in the field of awareness, of consciousness. If a pleasant uh, event happens, we don't have to leave with it. We can uh, let it arise and be known in the field of awareness and disappear. Similarly, if this uh, pleasant or unpleasant sensation or experiment experience happens, maybe it can be included, welcomed in, allowed, met. Same thing with thoughts. If the mind says something in words, if something is heard or seen, image. We can be conscious of it. Notice if it's an image. Is it black and white? Is it in color? Is it moving? Is it an impression? Vague. Clear. If it's a thought, is it in words being said or heard? Or not exactly that. So notice the next thought arising. See if you can catch it as it's uh, being born, appearing. And what is there between thoughts, images, or words said or heard? What is there in the gaps? gaps there might be sounds or breathing or maybe space, spaciousness or discomfort or joy.
just knowing, quiet knowing. Now I invite you, if you want to, to um, think voluntarily, just to experience thinking consciously. So if you want to think this um, sentence, I am, and there put your, um, f- your full name, I am so and so, and I am practicing meditation right now. So think this a few times just to feel what it's like to be thinking. Does that seem like uh, describing the experience or... Representing the experience well, or does it seem a little close to or far away from reality? Not exactly that. I am so and so, and I'm practicing meditation right now. If you want. Slow down this uh, sentence as you repeat it a few times and uh, notice if you leave a little gap between words, what's in there in the gaps and how it feels. Does it still feel so true? Play with that a little bit. Then repeat this sentence, but let go of the last part now. Just keep the I am and your name and family name. And see if that sounds true, current, exact. Let go of the family name and repeat the sentence a few times with just your first name. Feel that.
and drop the first name also. Just keep the two first words of the sentence if you want. <coughs> Drop the verb, keep just the pronoun. And drop that too.
If you want to uh, notice that the space around you right now is a peaceful space, non-violent space, safe space, just around you now, in front of you, peaceful space. beside you, just there, by your shoulders and around, peaceful space. Behind you, also. Open space, quiet space. Above and below. And maybe also inside yourself, this vast inner space of the heart and psyche, benevolent space, peaceful, vast velvety, dark, benevolent space. If there can be a certain, a certain buoyancy of heart, lightness of heart, see if you can allow thoughts, if they come, images, impressions, to just appear and disappear. See if you can recognize their ephemeral nature, their lightness. Even those that seem serious and sticky and important. Maybe their real nature is lightness. They're mirage-like. Especially if you don't... uh, appropriate them or identify to them. Just thoughts appearing, disappearing, impressions, appearances.
See if it's possible to not make them I or mine. Just phenomena. Ephemeral experiences. So, any discoveries, questions, clarifications, nuances, objections? <laughs> yes. Thoughts become things? Yeah. Hmm. And so I, I feel like there's a, a, a disconnect or a, a nuance that I'm not understanding. Yeah. Could when she said that, I, I thought, was he saying that we make our thoughts believe? So... I'll uh, I'll try to uh, play with this a little bit. So, um, 
so often th- thoughts and intentions are they're very closely related so my understanding of the teachings is that you know the things that we think a lot about becomes the things we perceive and live and uh, what uh, you know we create the world that's some one of the dhammapada saying is with our thoughts we create the world you know so uh, if i'm uh, my you know our i've been explaining that our our moods our emotions they create perceptions you know so if i'm uh, hopeless discouraged in that moment my future my worth will appear like this. So I'm born into that world. So in this way, it would be uh, an explanation of what you say. So my thoughts become things. They become my world. I'm worth nothing. No, you're worth a lot. I'm not worth nothing. I know. It's a truth. It's a fact. It becomes a thing for me. It might not be a thing, you know? Like this Zen teacher who says, me, this turd at the center of the universe. (laughs) It's a good one. I find it's really beautiful. She's, she's, it's very wise. She recognizes, like, this is, I've created a self that is worth nothing, and I'm obsessed about it. <laughs> you know? And I'm cherishing it, and I'm idolizing it, and fascinated by it. It's a creation of the mind. I'm worth nothing, and all my thoughts are going to be dedicated to that <laughs> construction, you know? So it becomes a thing. It's not really a thing, but the belief makes it, uh, it's becomes just felt like this. So that might be one of uh, the ways, but by bringing another kind of attention to thoughts and seeing their ephemeral nature, it tends to remove a lot of their power to become things, you know, in some ways for those that are not helpful. So if I see the thought I'm worth nothing or I don't belong or I'm a mistake of human, you know, of life, of nature, and I see this as a thought arising and passing, it's not going to become a thing. It's not, it doesn't have the hold on me in the same way. Reversely or alternatively, if uh, I nurture thoughts of benevolence, that's going to be the field I live in. So partly when I say if we stop uh, the thinking process a bit and we slow it down and we discover the space, if there has been the possibility to develop the quality of benevolence, the, the possibility of when silence arrives that it's delicious and friendly in there are higher because it's become it's became a thing. The output of metta, the practice of metta suffused the body and the mind and now that if I stop thinking what is there is lovely friendliness you know it became the world the inner world I live in and so that's why here we put a big emphasis on being friendly whenever you remember, whenever it's possible benevolence, goodwill because that becomes the inner world that uh, we live in yeah, is that a little helpful? So, sending wishes of well-being, being being benevolent, is intentional. It's an intention. 
that is there. So intentions is karma. karma the love karma is what we put out is, is going to have an impact, you know. And so here we're putting out a lot of, let's call it good karma, because we're developing qualities that are beneficial for us and for others, for all systems that we belong to. We're bringing curiosity, interest, calm, engagement, honesty, care, patience. All these are very powerful intentions. So what's happening here is not just like benign uh, silence for a week, you know. It's extremely potent uh, use of time because we're nurturing these intentions. And these intentions, if we talk uh, science neuroscience, neuroplasticity, are grooves that are be, becoming like, are deepening. So it means that when I encounter another situation later, whoops, maybe my mind will naturally go towards benevolence because I've trained it, I've impressed my mind, even physically, my brain has been uh, uh, changed in this way. So intention is... Uh, Intention is... Uh, maybe I'll take a few minutes and talk more about intention now. So intention is a factor that is always there in our experience. So we can open the field of awareness today uh, a little bit more and say, so what's happening right now is that there is intention. When I'm looking around, I see it physically. There's a lot of intention to understand. I see it through the body language and the eyes, you know. And maybe somewhere I see another intention. <laughs> you know, it's unknown, it's unconscious, you know. It's, it's, an in, it's still an intention, but it's not a, it might not be a conscious one. It's an automatic, it's a mechanism that is at play. But uh, so do you feel this as you're sitting here, that you there's an intention to hear, there's an intention to grasp or... Uh, to to uh, understand what's the word? grog, grog. No, I thought there was a word like that. Grog, grog, like to understand. Anyway, so that so there's always an intention. Later, in a few minutes, suddenly we'll all have pretty much everybody will have the intention suddenly to stand. You know, and then intentions being conditional, I bet many will have suddenly the intention to go outside. We'll think I'm deciding to go outside. It's me deciding to go outside. But it's also conditional. It's related to what happens. So it might be interesting today in your practice to bring your awareness to thoughts appearing and disappearing, but also to intentions. Like the intention to do something or say something or something like that. There's an intention between before every movement of, uh, well, actually, mind, uh, body, and speech. And uh, so, for, uh, for example, when you walk, that's an amazing place to uh, study intention. Not think about, but study as we do in mindfulness, in experience. So when you're standing... Notice the intention to step as you start walking. There's a little, we call it an about-to moment, a gathering. It's a mental event. There's something that 
makes the foot go first, you know? And so you can become aware of this, or the intention to turn, or the intention to stop. When yesterday I was talking about selfing, owning appropriation, identifying with aspects of reality, here is one that we identify with. You know, it's I'm intending. Ah, let's take a closer look. For me, for example, I notice that often in the walking, the intention to stop is uh, happens, arises often when I'm about to hit a wall <laughs> or a tree. <laughs> it proves to me that intentions is conditional. It, it comes out of the conditions. When I'm in the dining hall, you have to be very quiet to see this. But if I'm sitting there, I'm very quiet, very attentive. I've gathered the qualities of mind we've been talking about, the interest, the quietness, not so discursive, not telling so much everything what it is or should be, but listening, listening. I'll notice that if the conditions are brought together, hunger, fork on the head, broccoli at the end of the fork, if these conditions are there, probably the intention to go this way will arise. <laughs> And I might say, like, I'm, I'm eating, or I'm not, it's me deciding. Well, is it, really? <laughs> you know, there's something that makes me speak or not speak. Sometimes it's the desire to be seen, the desire to contribute, the desire to correct, fix, to uh, uh, the expression of curiosity. So there's a there's something in the mind that is there and it will create an intention. And often I'm in bed after at night and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. It's not exactly me who said that. It was uh, stupidity. <laughs> 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 or the need for revenge or the uh, impatience or the arrogance or the something spoke. You know, And it's a fine line because I want to be responsible but I don't want to be identified completely. Do you see? The, ooh, it's a very fine line. If you're getting confused, see if you can allow confusion. If you're like, what is he saying? What is he saying? Become aware. Experience of confusion. Can that be okay? It happens to human beings. It's been happening for a while. <laughs> 2,600 years ago, people were reporting confusion. <laughs> They survived, most of them. <laughs> Especially if they didn't make it too personal. I'm confused, I don't know, everybody is understanding except me. No, confusion is an event that happens. Don't make it too personal. We're talking about things that are extremely subtle, and I'm not very subtle. <laughs> I go with, uh, I'm more like caricature, like, you know. So, But still, I'm trying in my best way to uh, impart this... Uh, bring this in. So intentions is really interesting to watch on retreat because you'll see the, nat the nature of it, how it's, uh, if, if it's really so much exactly you or not. Another example, somebody will come sometimes and describe this, oh my God, I saw this not self that you keep talking about. I just saw it. I was sitting there, very quiet, suddenly... There was a cold wind, and the intention to cover the body arose. 
It was not exactly me. It was really circumstantial. If there hadn't been the wind, there hadn't been it would the, the intention would not have arisen. So some conditions are immediate, but some conditions came a long time ago. Somebody told me you're worth nothing a few times, or they didn't say it directly. They, it's been said through advertisement, you know. Like I look at the advertisement and they d don't look exactly like me. They look more clear, clean. I don't know what, you know, younger, healthier, you know, and they seem, you know, and I'm like, oh, like it seems I'm worth nothing now because I don't have that car, you know, <laughs> and I'm buying into this. So suddenly the, the thought arises, I'm worth not much. This is circumstantial, you know, it's, Everything contributed to that thought arising. It's not exactly mine. It doesn't exactly represent reality either. But it's there. It's need, it needs to be taken care of. Here we take care of it. We wake up to it. We become conscious of it. And we decolonize. Uh, if a white male can say that. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so, okay, not easy. That's why we are developing as much calm as we can at every moment and every uh, and developing a kind of attention that is not an usual attention. It's, an, it's a particular attention to what's happening so we can see, you know. So what will make you do the walk or go hide in your room? Something. I, I, would, I would say it's not you, but it's going to be a mood. Something. Curiosity. Uh, or tiredness or confusion and shame and something, you know, is it really you who's going to decide what's going to happen next? I know that it's really rare that I see people in my regular life doing slow zombie walking. <laughs> it's interesting that we have this intention to do this here, maybe because it's been valued. You know, somebody said, hey, that kind of walking, going nowhere, back and forth slowly, <laughs> is worth a lot. <laughs> and suddenly you're like, what should I do? Oh, I'll go walk slowly, going nowhere. <laughs> that is really important right now, you know. So do you see how, you know, and that's how norming happens, you know, and that's how a lot of things happen. But here we try to use all this to wake the mind up, to free the mind. Isn't that interesting? We're using the system in a subversive way. This is very political what we're doing here. We're not buying stuff right now, you know. And so a lot of corporations are not happy about that. <laughs> Very subversive. We're questioning things. Yeah? We're questioning, is that true that we're not enough? Is that true that we should be otherwise? We're questioning this. And so we're developing maybe uh, through the way of tenderness, we're developing contentment. Uh, we're changing the value system here. And so the beauty, as was uh, Bunny telling me, the beauty suddenly becomes the quality of the mind rather than the look. You know? And as the Buddha was saying, the nobility is not what social, economical class I was born in, but the quality of the mind suddenly makes the nobility. So that's the field we're playing in here.
So just in case you thought you should go home now, <laughs> that might be a safe place to hang out in. Um, I need to take a couple of minutes uh, to talk about the schedule because I don't know if, you, uh, if you've seen, depending on our personality, some of us know exactly the schedule of the day <laughs> and some of us are clueless. Oh, it's a different day. And all of it is welcomed. So today, if you look outside somewhere at the schedule, you'll see it's, uh, it's changing a little bit. We're, uh, we're doing a different experiment. No! Keep it... Or yay! <laughs> Whatever your inner response is, it's good to be aware of it. And so, you know, one way that I've been uh, really um, touched by practice, one form that I've seen is uh, in monasteries in different places in the West and in the East, Sometimes what I see that is really touching is that uh, for a few hours during the day, that it's time for practice. But everybody goes and do their own practice in their way. You know, so some go walking, some go sitting, some there's different. Some sit outside, some sit in the hall. But we know there's a few hours of practice, and it's not scheduled. And so, so it's more like we take ownership of our own practice. And we maybe need to get very intuitive or, or have, find a way. But what's uh, very powerful about it is that we know that there's a community here of practitioners. We're exploring reality through mindfulness. And that's what we're doing until lunchtime and maybe during lunchtime too. But I'm talking about the, the, the practic- practice uh, period of this morning. But now what we're going to do is we're, we're going to remove the bells and the organizational aspect of like, now we're sitting, now we're walking. We know that until 12.30, we're practicing. But maybe you'll want to be seated here for an hour, an hour and a half, or maybe 20 minutes will be enough for you. And then the way to nurture awareness will be to actually go walk outside a little bit. And maybe instead of walking 45 minutes, you'll walk 10 minutes and then stand for a while and then sit right there or under a tree like the Buddha did. But even if we don't see each other, we'll know that everybody's practicing. And even if I go, because it's beautiful, and I go find a place on a bench in this beautiful land that is here, and, and I practice, I'll know that I'll, I'm practicing here in that little piece of the forest and that others are practicing in their ways. So that's the suggestion. Are we grown up enough to do that? <laughs> Can we experiment with that today and see? You know, we're going to maybe some of us get lost, you know, because it's the form opened up and we got lost, you know, for an hour or so. Or maybe it will be the most supportive way. We'll find like, wow, that works. Like not being imposed. One teacher, Utejiniya, says, I don't know if he still does, but at some point he would say, I'm not going to be the one ringing a bell and telling you when it's time to walk or sit. You know, you know when it's time to sit or walk to support being awake. You know, what will keep your energy, your interest uh, going? So it's tricky. It will require a lot of attention. Oh, surprise, surprise. Attention. Questions about the schedule? 
And so this morning there are still uh, meetings happening. Um, so the door in the back will keep closed like it is now. The door in the front will keep open as it is now. So you can come and go as you please. Be quiet. Respect the space here. Silence. The form That form is kept. So not the, all the form goes. The form of the schedule goes. But the, the commitment to practice stays. The silence stays. The investigation of this. Yeah. Are we all sitting together at 2.30? Or? Yeah. Okay. So, at two, so there will be lunch, 12.30 uh, served. And if you have a task, like a working meditation, it's important to keep it. I don't know exactly about that, you know, during the day, but very important. 2.30, as a community, we'll gather again here to use that force of the Sangha. And then in the afternoon, it will open up again. The yoga will remain, but you'll have to time yourself for that if you want to do uh, the yoga. And then um, there'll be dinner. Yeah? Good. Yes? There is a um, schedule for a practice leader between 11.15 and 12. Oh, so we can, uh, we can drop that. Yeah, so you can come and go as you please. This is in lots of monastery. That's how it uh, practice happens, right? And so, uh, um, yeah, Janet. Just to clarify, all the bells will be rung except for the eleven fifteen bell this morning and the four o'clock bell. So those who are responsible for the eleven fifteen and four o'clock bell, let that one go. Okay. Um, Last little thing, community, living together. There's an agreement. I think it was talked about in emails before coming. And so what I'm doing here is educational, and it might be triggering for you to hear this. There was email sent about this. We talked about this in the hall. This is a scent-free area. Uh, that's the intention. It's not working so well. Some of us are, I think, smelly as a, a pejorative uh, uh, feel to it, so I'll use that word. Some of us are smelly. You know, we're smelling. There's fragrance in what we're used, using. And so, and some, sm some fragrance are strong fragrances. I took a shower the other day. There was a, a bottle, a personal bottle of shampoo there. I did a little squeeze. It's very strong perfume. And so it might not please you. You might not understand well what's happening. You might have opinions about it. It's a little bit irrelevant in the community. Inner work, you have to do work. Bring, bring it in your... Uh, if it triggers something in you, bring it in the room uh, at the meeting room or something like this. But some of us are affected by this in ways that are not around preferences. You know, there can be neurological things happening, breathing things happening, uh, heart things happening around uh, fragrances. And so, and it might be news to you. You might be like, wow, the smells are beautiful, you know. But they might, the chemicals in them might be uh, hurting people around here. And so it's delicate, you know. It's a fr it's fragile uh, thing. And so we want to take care of this. And so that's the words I choose to use today for this. So I'm asking us to wake up, you know, bring this to consciousness, fold it in. It's part of practice. And it might be renouncing something, you know. 
and you might actually not smell it anymore because you've been using it for 55 years. You know, so for you it's just nature, but actually your lotion might be fragrance. In. Okay? Oh la la. <laughs> will we survive this? I hope we will. Okay? Thank you for your consideration. And uh, please enjoy the practice and the richness of it. Thank you.